Let's all stand. Come on, let's all stand. We have some we have some folk that will come in in the middle of this. This is exciting. We have a we have over 70 people going through Connect Track tonight. And um, and I'm glad they're not in here. I'm glad they're out there doing that because that means that they are going to get locked in and be a part of the family. And uh, that's what we are here for. That's what we're doing. Uh, we've been together for three weeks now. Some of you have been with us longer than that. Uh, but how many did not start coming to RTTN until we launched this campus? Lift your hand if that's you. Wow. Wow. And then everybody else in the room. Come on, let's thank God for that. And um, I, uh, I have a lot to say tonight. I hope that, uh, what, what time are y'all supposed to be done tonight? I can't hear you. What? I can't hear you. Never mind. It don't matter. I can't hear you. I'll just go as long as I need to. Hallelujah. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we got we to gotta get you out of here. We got babies. I know you got school tomorrow. But I do want to share some things tonight that is not so much preaching as it is sharing my heart. First of all, I do want you to know I'm actually married. I don't just have 37 kids. I do have a wife. Hallelujah. And uh, no, I have six kids. But do you have the picture back there? Did y'all get the picture from Chad? That is my crew right there. And uh, you, amen. Amen. We, so just keep that picture up. I'll tell you who all this is. This is Jeremiah. He's 21. He gets married in three weeks. He works in Washington, D.C. This is Judah. She is my youngest girl, uh, last born. This is me. My name is Kevin. This is Asher Wallace. We adopted him. He was born February 14th, 2022. So he's coming up on his first birthday. This is my beautiful wife of 21 years, Pastor Devin Wallace. Amen. Come on. This is Genesis Wallace. She will be two on March 30th. We adopted her. I'll tell you that story sometime. And she is uh, she's just the princess of the family. My oldest daughter, Zion, who is 17. My youngest son and second born, Isaiah, who is uh, 19. So we have a family. And if you wonder where my wife is and my family is, we have several campuses. We live closer to Chattanooga, and they all go down there, and they'll come up here sometimes. Having two new babies is a real challenge for a 43-year-old. I told somebody last week I got out of dad shape. And I'm getting back in dad shape. Hallelujah. But I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my wife. I'm thankful for what the Lord has done in our church. And uh, we've been a church for a little over, well, it'll be 20 years. This coming March will be 20 years pastoring. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. And, um, and so uh, why would we come to Cleveland? Because we love this city and, and we love Jesus and we believe God's doing something powerful here. Three weeks in, how many know the Lord's already blowing our mind? I said the Lord's already blowing our mind. And um, we, we, just, we just buckled up and seeing what the Lord's doing. And uh, what I want to do tonight is, again, I don't want to preach so much as I want to sort of talk and articulate what we're about. And I think most of you know what we're about, and some of you may not. You may still be in the we're checking you out phase, and I get all that. I want you to check us out. We're I want you to know we're checking you out. 
I mean, I know y'all checking us out, but we're trying to make sure y'all smell good and look good. And y- y- I'm just kidding. You all smell great. It's wonderful. Um, I want you to go with me to the book of Romans. The book of Romans. We're, we're checking each other out. But how many know Jesus is up to something good? Romans chapter 12. And um, I want you to look at this scripture. And I'm going to talk tonight about the culture the culture of this church, the, the culture of the kingdom of God, how, how I believe the Bible talks about the kingdom of God and what I think a church, a local church as the pastor, um, I think it's important for us to be able to articulate what the culture of the church is like. And if you don't know what culture is, we're going to talk about that tonight. Every church has a culture. And, and people, I've been criticized for talking about church culture. But the reality of it is, even accidentally, churches have a culture. Whether they want to or not, you can walk into a church and know the culture of that church the first 10 minutes you're there. And you can tell if you want to go back or not. Come on, be honest with me, somebody. And uh, what I want you to know is what's our heart about this whole thing about the culture of our church. And some of y'all say, this ain't deep enough or spiritual enough. I'll come back Sunday. I need you to sit down and get this tonight because um, our contribution to the culture of the house will determine the, the influence this house has in this city. When people walk through the doors, all of our collective hearts, our expression, our attitude, how we do church, how we function in this house, all of that contributes to the culture of redemption to the nations. How many want to be a solid investor? And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about everything about us. If people run into you and I in the lobby, do they want to come back? It's quiet in this Baptist church. But the reality of it is we want people to come back. But sometimes it has nothing to do with Jesus. It has to do with his people. Sometimes people don't come back to church, not because they don't love Jesus, but they freaked out at the encounter they had when they went to church. I want people to come to church and say, man, I can't wait till next Wednesday. I can't wait till next Sunday to go back to church. And that's the kind of of church that I want uh, us to have. I want your sons and daughters to want to come back to church. I want your grandma and grandpa to want to come back to church. I want your enemies to want to come to church here. Your in-laws and your outlaws. Come on, somebody. So let's, let's talk about this tonight. One or two verses of scripture found in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I'm going to read it from the amplified version and we're going to talk about um, the culture building the culture of this house and we're in this little thing on the first uh, month that we're together on building his house how many know this is this is his house and so it behoove us to know what kind of house God wants us to build because I want to build the kind of house he wants to come to and here's what I found out if I build the kind of house God wants to come to it'll be the kind of house sinners and worshipers want to come to and if you want to know who, who we open our arms to, sinners and worshipers, you say, sinners, absolutely. If you have sinners in your church, if you'll keep sinners in your church, God will keep coming to your church. You say, you got Bible for that? 100%. The Bible said he came to seek and to save those who are lost. If you don't have lost people in your church, God ain't looking at your church. And some churches are too good for lost people. And I want you to know you can come just as you are. You don't, listen, you won't want to stay just as you are because the, I said this today, the invitation of the gospel is come as you are, but the promise of the gospel is you don't stay as you are. How many are thankful that God will change you when you find him and when he finds you? Somebody say amen. 
And so we want to be a place where sinners are welcome. People are going to come in all screwed up, all kind of different ways in life. Don't look down your nose at them and, you know, be thankful you're not them. But for the grace of God, there go I. And so not only do we want to welcome sinners, but we want worshipers to be here. Why would we want worshipers to be? Because if worshipers are here, God will also show up. Do you have Bible for that? I'm so glad you asked. The Bible said that he seeks those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. If you want to know who God's looking for, he's looking for some people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So let's keep sinners in the house. Let's keep worshipers in the house. And if we'll build that kind of culture, I believe it's the kind of place God will want to come. Let's read this together off the screen. The Bible said, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves, set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. Mm, I love that. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed. How many of that sounds like sanctification? As you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. Say plan and purpose. Say, plan and purpose. How many know every one of us in this room, God created us with a purpose and he has a plan for every one of our lives? And how many would also agree that God has a purpose for every church and a plan for every church? And that's what we want to talk about tonight. And then we're going to get, we're going to let you sit down after we pray. Jesus, help us tonight. We need you. I pray that your spirit would just abide in this atmosphere and touch hearts, knit our hearts together by your precious Holy Spirit. I pray that as the word is taught tonight and as we articulate the things that are on uh, what we believe to be the heart of God, we praise you, Lord, that you're going to take every one of our lives individually to a new level. And because we go individually to a new level, I thank you that this house rises to new levels. I thank you this city rises to new levels. I thank you, Father God, that you're going to let an expression of your kingdom be demonstrated in this city that is going to bring people closer to your heart, rescue people from darkness, bring them and translate them into the kingdom of your dear son. We thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name, and everyone said amen. Be seated. Shake somebody's hand on the way down. Tell them you love them. Let's... uh, Let's, uh, let's get into this tonight. What is the culture of our church? Uh, that first slide. The, the, the culture of our church is the water we swim in. If, if I said to you, uh, what is the culture of redemption to the nation's church, you may not know how to articulate it, but I think most of the people in this room would agree that if you, you said, what is the culture of our church, there are certain things that come to your mind. Why? Because that's just sort of stated, uh, whether it's said or not, it's sort of understood this is who we are. This is what we're about. It's the water we swim in. How many have ever been to a church and saw a mission statement hanging on the wall or a vision statement hanging on the wall and it says something like, we, we ex- uh, uh, exist to reach the world for Jesus Christ and to, and to touch the globe with the gospel and there are five people in the church and nobody has a missional thrust, nobody cares about reaching out, nobody cares about sharing the gospel. The vision statement sounds great, but nobody's buying in. It's very important that you understand what kind of church, and I, I really mean this with all my heart. Tonight is, and really this month, these first six, eight weeks, is really like getting on an airplane. Have you ever gotten on an airplane 
uh, you can't do it so much now, but before 9-11, you could get on an airplane and accidentally go to a place you were not intending to go. And now that doesn't happen anymore because, you know, they scan tickets. But back in the day, you just had to be at the right terminal. And if you were not at the right terminal and you were talking and lost uh, focus, you could actually wind up on a plane and go somewhere you were not intending to go. And I think the first, the first few weeks that we're together, people are just trying to say, <clears throat> What is this church about? Where is this church going? Who is this church? We're excited. Everybody's here. It's full. We can't get a parking place. Uh, Pizza Hut threatened to, 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 to tow our car. All this wonderful stuff. It's incredible what's happening. But after all the excitement wears off, we have to do something that makes a difference in the city. And in order for that to happen and make a difference in people's life, I think we all have to buy into the culture of the kingdom of God that we are attempting to establish here. And, and you will understand, I do not call myself, you will never hear me refer to myself as an apostle. I, I don't call myself anything but Kevin. I introduce myself as Kevin. Now, other people call me other things, and that's great. But an apostolic grace does rest on my life. And what that means is when you're sent from the kingdom of God to establish the kingdom of God, you cannot just sit down and accept a culture that doesn't feel like the kingdom of God. And that's why so many times demonic spirits, uh-oh, I'm getting ready to go deep here. Demonic spirits rule churches. Jezebel sits on the throne out in the lobby. People come in, it's tight, it's quiet, there's no laughter, there's no joy, there's no peace. Nobody's connecting, nobody's shaking hands, nobody's fellowshipping. The preacher's all bound up, the singing's all bound up, everything's bound up because there's this principality that will defy the advancing of the kingdom of God. And tonight, I came to just declare to you that 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 principality and power will not prevail in attempting to push against the kingdom of God and the demonstration of the kingdom of God in our lives, in this church, and in this city. How many can agree with me that the kingdom of God is advancing and increasing at the speed of the favor of God? And we want to be a part of that. So we're not just going to sort of take what comes down the pipe. We believe that there's a clear scriptural mandate for the kingdom of God to be advanced in all of our lives. It doesn't happen accidentally. It doesn't happen incidentally. It doesn't happen without intentionality and without declaring some things and, and establishing the culture of the kingdom of God. And that is what apostolic grace is needed for in this hour. If you've never heard that terminology about apostolic grace, don't let it freak you out. Just keep hanging around because I do not believe that the pastor is the only person anointed to do ministry in the church. The Apostle Paul said in the book of, uh, of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, that there were apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, all of them given for the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ. You don't just need a preacher that makes you feel good. You need apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers so that you and I become everything God intended for us to be. Say amen, church. So tonight we want to talk about the culture of the kingdom of God. And it is the water we swim in. It is what you feel when you come into this place. It is, it is the intention of our heart to create a culture. Thank you, Lord. That is not our own brand. It is a reflection of what we believe Scripture teaches about the kingdom of God. God is not interested in RTTN's brand. I got like four amens on it. Come on. That was good. But God is not trying to see if we're going to be able to build a brand. I'm not building an RTTN brand. I am here to accede to it in my life, 
And in any sphere of influence God has given me that the kingdom of God is established and the king of that kingdom, Jesus Christ, is the main thing and the big deal. Come on, somebody. That is the cult- That is what we're going to talk about. The culture of this, of this house is the water we swim in. It's the reality in the room. It is not just the mission statement. It is not just the vision statement. People don't care what your vision statement is and your mission statement is if they if they are not in if they're incompatible with what the room is feeling like. What's happening in the ministry? What are you teaching from the pulpit? How do you worship? How, what is your liturgy? What is what is uh, what is your modus operandi in worshiping and seeking the face of God? What we want to make sure is that what we say we are and what we say we do is actually what we do as a people. So I'm just going to teach this tonight. Number one, what kind of culture um, is um, redemption to the nation's church? Number one, encounter is a part of our culture. Say encounter. Some people freak out when they hear the word encounter. Now, they don't freak out when they hear the word encounter at at a football game or at, uh, you know, when they they have an amazing experience, you know, that is not a spiritual experience. People have encounters all the time. You encounter incredible things. You encounter scary things. You encounter sad things. Here's the deal. Encounter is real, and this house believes that the God we serve is a God of encounter. He is not... We preach, we worship, we minister from this perspective. God is not off in some far-removed corner of the universe twiddling his thumbs, watching humanity as robots walk around in circles doing what he pre-programmed them to do. God is very active in your life and mine. He is able to be encountered. You can actually seek the face of God and find it if you search for him with all your heart. Some people come to church not to encounter God. Some people come to church for uh, other reasons. There's a myriad of reasons why people come to church. But the most important thing for you and I to remember when we come to church is that the God that we are worshiping, the God that we are seeking, the God that we are praying to is a God who can actually get right up in your face, speak to your heart, and change the very trajectory of your life, your family, your marriage, your job. How many know that? God can be encountered. One encounter from God changed all my, it changed my entire life. Actually, I've had multiple, how many have had multiple encounters with God? If you've ever encountered the presence of God, lift your hand so that your neighbor knows I'm not crazy. Okay, so this is more than 80% of the church. So I'm not crazy. I'm not a lunatic. I'm, I, I am intense, but it's impossible not to be when you have encountered the God of fire. It is impossible to remain normal when you have touched and been touched by the supernatural. It is impossible to go through motions and even just get, I don't get through a sun. We don't just endure Sundays. There are 52 of them in a year. Me and that man and that young lady and every other staff member connected to this house believe all 52 of those Sundays are encounters. That when you and your family walk through the door, if you've had a bad week with a week like yours, you need a church like ours. This is the place where the Spirit of God is going to speak and line things up and get things in order. Somebody say amen. It's an encounter culture. Let me read this. God delights in us and desires to manifest, wow, big word, his presence among us. As we behold him, we are moved to praise joyfully. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. And worship deeply. 
the more we encounter him, the more we are aware of his spirit in us and our calling to carry this transformational power to other people. God desires to make himself known and we will let him. I want to tell you this. I'm not quenching the Holy Spirit. I'm just not going to do it. There are going to be some Sundays you come in here and we do what's on the program. We prayed over it. We planned it. I prepared a sermon. They prepared a song list. We get into worship and the Spirit of God starts moving and we start just letting the Spirit of God move. And some Sundays he'll carry us in the river through the program that we've planned. But don't freak out. On the Sundays, when the Spirit of the Lord shows up, altars fill up, sick people start getting healed, demons start getting cast out, uh-oh, so lost people start getting saved, and we all go to lunch going, my God, I've never seen anything like that before in my life. Let me tell you, don't freak out. Come back the next Sunday, we'll jump into the series, we'll stay in discipleship and in preaching. Why are you hollering? I'm not, this is normal. But I want to tell you right now that there are places and times and kairos moments that may not be on our calendar. But you will come into this place and if it's not you, it might be your neighbor and you feel a million miles away from God. You feel overcome and overwhelmed by the warfare and the fight and the stress and the pressure of life. And can we make it? Will my children make it? Will my marriage make it? This will be a house where we are going to contend for the God of heaven to encounter you and you you to encounter him so that when you walk out those doors under that red exit sign, you walk to your car in a different place than you were when you walked into this house. We want to be a people who let God move. Touch your neighbor right now. Tell them, let God move. So there are times it'll just flow and we'll sing what's on the script and I'll preach what I've prepared and we'll pray and spirit of God will touch lives and things will happen. But this is a place of encounter. Sometimes somebody's going to come into this room so desperate that they're going to touch God. When they touch God, dunamis power is going to be released in this room. It'll happen like a wave. Jesus, thank you. I have been in Chattanooga. There have been, when I started in Chattanooga, 2013, so that's 10 years ago, I pastored in Ottawa for seven years. Six, seven years, something like that, maybe eight. And I remember going downtown to Ottawa, big church, big building, and for the first five months, I preached, we sang, and it felt like the devil was having a party in the sound booth and laughing at us every Sunday. Nobody was coming, nothing was growing, nothing was happening. It was a spiritual warfare like I've never been in in my life. But I remember the Sunday, thank you Holy Spirit, when the Holy Ghost came in that room and from the right side of that building to the left, it was like a wave sent from heaven, crashed on that house. And I watched people start weeping and running to an altar and they fell down and gave it all to Jesus and God transformed men and women and teenagers and the Spirit of the Lord started moving. What's the point? I tell you what the point is, when God starts moving, you don't have to make it happen. You don't have to work it up. I'm not the creator of the encounter. I'm just the lifeguard at the swimming pool that said, here comes another wave. Catch another wave. Go under one more time. Let him take you. Anybody know what I'm talking about in this place tonight? The God of encounter. 
There are many of you who've never been to a Pentecostal spirit filled church. So what is all this and why does this guy sweat and holler? And these people are so intense. I tell you why. We've we've seen him. We've seen his glory. Someone, I was watching a clip today, someone sent me. The preacher said he got rebuked by a theologian. Uh oh, well, let's be careful here. Got rebuked for a theo- from a theologian. He said, Your church carries on and you're so excited and exuberant. Jesus never shouted. Jesus never jumped and Jesus never clapped his hands and Jesus never danced. And the country preacher took a deep breath and thought about it. And the Lord spoke to him and said, no, but everybody he touched did. Hallelujah. I'm an introvert. I was too till the fire hit me. I'm, I'm not, listen, I'm not, I'm not given to just come up and, you know, I'm not always bubbly. But I tell you what, when the Spirit of God cracks that hard shell of religion off of you and the Holy Spirit starts touching the deep places in you, I tell you it's uncontainable. You hear me, church? It's an encounter like you've never had. It will turn your life upside down. I better quit and go on, but he's not dead. He's alive. And he's not off in some far-removed corner of a universe. He's moving in Cleveland, Tennessee, and I'm looking for some people who say move God move do it whatever it looks like whatever it sounds like come Lord Jesus next I better move here it's already 750 Lord have mercy number two this culture will be a culture of growth reading his word hearing the word preached becoming a part of the life of this house the ministry of this house getting connected to a house fire or an interest group doing life with each other, all of those things produce growth in your life. Prayer produces growth. Reading your Bible produces growth. I want you to understand that what is not acceptable in the kingdom of God, listen to me very carefully, you can actually have failed and still be in the kingdom of God. What you can't do is believe that it's okay not to grow. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, the sixth chapter, that we ought to move along to deeper, greater doctrines and deeper and greater things. Don't just stay in the shallow end of the pool forever. Hello, somebody. You know, there are people who come to a swimming pool. There are three different kinds of people who come to a swimming pool. The first group are the people who come to borrow the furniture. They only want to lay out in the sun and catch a tan. Come on, somebody. The second group of people is that there's a group of people who come and stay in the shallow end. And they walk out to the rope and threaten all the kids. Don't splash me. My hair will mess up. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. But then there are the people who come looking for the deep end and they don't wait on permission. They just go jump in and they take a dive all the way down to the deep. And I'm telling you, shallow Christianity and all of this, let us use your building and furniture for a Sunday morning thing. That day is over. He is the apple. We are the apple of his eye. He is our all in all. And in this day and hour we are living, I'm telling you, being sold out is the only way to live for Jesus. Grow. Become. Go deeper. Let your roots let your roots get planted in the house of the Lord. And since I'm already in the mood and you're already probably mad at something I've said, let me just go another step further. I'm telling you right now, you need to get planted in a church. I'm going to tell you love enough to say it this way. Even if it's not this one, get planted. 
The Bible said in the book of Psalm that those get, who get planted in the house of the Lord flourish in the courts of our God. Growing up, my mom and dad, you couldn't have pried them out of the seat of my church with a crowbar. The music was atrocious. It, I, the whole thing was an unmitigated train wreck on some Sundays. But they weren't leaving just because it was a different kind of day. They weren't even leaving when somebody said something about them. Dear God, before Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, we didn't have those things to express ourselves. So we just got on the telephone. I mean, the telephone, and we talked to people about all of our problems. And you know what happened? Those people just stayed. You know why they stayed? Because they had roots. And my prayer for you and your family is not that you live for 75 years, come to the end of your life, and nobody in the kingdom of God know who you are. I pray you have such roots in a church, whether it's this one or another one, where you grow and are planted in the kingdom of God. It's the way it's intended to be. Now, I'm not saying you can't leave a church and after you've been there a long time. I know that happens. But I'm telling you right now, this business of, of, of trying out 42 churches in the same year and blaming the preacher every time you don't like a church, I tell you what, at 42 years old, you don't need someone to go to the refrigerator and get something out to feed you. At 42 years old, you know where the cupboard is. Go feed yourself. I need some more clapping. I'm offending people, but I need the people not offended to help me preach here tonight. Touch your neighbor, tell them, grow. God's intention is for you to grow. I want you to hear me say this. You're going to grow mentally. You're going to grow spiritually. You're going to grow financially. Lord, don't let us grow physically. I mean this. I don't need any more growth here. Come on, somebody. Yeah, we're going to do some blessed subtraction on this temple here. I'm talking about in the body, in this house. I want to tell you this. What would you, what would you say if I told you where the smallest now will ever be? Well, pastor, where are we going to put the people? We'll worry about that. You just help us grow. And if you grow, we'll grow. And if we all grow individually, then how many know this house will grow up corporately and become everything God called it to be? So I want us to understand that this house is a culture of growth. You will, listen, in love, always in love, you will be challenged and taught the truth. I'm not just going to stand up and preach some brown sugar sweet message every Sunday that's molasses and always, you're not, listen, the times I grew the most in church are not when I was told what I wanted to hear. It's what I needed to hear. And there are some Sundays we'll come in and we'll inject hope and joy and the power of God will break out. We'll shout all over this room. There are some Sundays we'll come and we don't need to shout. We need to cry. We need to repent. We need to weep. We need to get our heart right. Come on, somebody. This is growth, and I believe God wants this house to grow. I believe he wants you and your family to grow. I don't believe in getting stuck and paralyzed. I believe Jesus is the, is the king of, of taking people out of darkness and moving them into purpose and letting them begin to expand and increase and see the favor of God on their life. If you receive it, say amen. Okay, here we go, Rich. I want you to lock all the doors before I go to this one. Don't let anybody out. We're going to be number three, a generosity culture. Now, when I say generous culture, everybody immediately thinks of money. How many know that's what you first thought of when I said generosity? Lift your hand. Come on, don't lie. You'll go to hell. How many thought of money when I said generosity? Well, here's the bottom line. Generosity is not just money. I, I will tell you, if you're stingy with your money, you're probably stingy with your time. 
You're probably stingy with your kindness and your love and your mercy. You're probably stingy with smiles. You're probably, but if you're generous in your spirit, you understand the power of giving is greater than the ability to receive it. Now, obviously, resources are and finances and money is a, is a is an indicator of where we are on the generosity scale. How do I know that? Because Jesus told us that. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And when we talk about generosity, I, I want you to understand this. I'm teaching this to you because you're going to see and witness this house give to this community. I'm not just talking about what you're going to give. I'm talking about what we're going to give. And you're going to see us in Chattanooga this past year, we raised for our children in Chattanooga. And I say our children because we believe in the community. We raised our church alone without the help of another church. We did have a partnership with Walmart, uh, Sam's. I don't know what all, all he, uh, Costco helped us with the turkeys. Hallelujah. We had partnerships with different places. But I want you to hear what our, our church in Chattanooga in December alone raised $116,000. Above and beyond the tithe. Is that right? I'm not talking about the tithe. I'm talking about above and beyond the tithe. We raised $116,000. Every single cent of that offering went to give Christmas to over 2,200 children in Chattanooga. It's okay to clap. It's your church. I mean, you ought to praise God for it. Come on. What's the point? The point is when you hear us talk about giving, you're going to think, where did that all come from? How did we give 2,200 kids Christmas? How did we buy 700 families Thanksgiving meals? I'll tell you how we did it. Through you. Through your generosity. You say, well, I'm not generous. That's why I'm teaching you tonight. You're going to be shocked if you don't become generous. In fact, you're going to throw a fit and pout about how we give to the community and we're not even going to care that you're mad because we believe that if you're the church of the living God, you ought to be doing more than making loud noise in buildings and preaching sermons with a sweaty prayer. We believe that people ought to know we belong to Jesus and they ought to see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. I want you to be fully aware that we believe the way to make a difference in the lives of people who want nothing to do with Jesus is to show them the love of Jesus. We meet felt needs. We help give backpacks to kids at school time. We, I, I'm not even, we have a, Gary Keelan, have y'all met Gary yet? Have y'all met Pastor Gary yet? You'll meet him. He is a sophisticated hillbilly. He's my brother-in-law and my brother in Christ, but he's a sophisticated hill. He is from 10 Mile. Y'all didn't even know there was a place called 10 Mile. There's a place up the road called 10 Mile, and he got a master's degree from Georgia Tech in engineering. How many know that's quite a combination? He's our outreach and evangelism pastor. He told me last week, revival is breaking out in Dade County Prison because our prison team has been going in there. And the, listen, and I don't know if it's the warden, uh, maybe, who, not the warden, but the director of the prison who came to church Sunday, pulls out his phone. I'm in the lobby shaking hands with people. He pulls out his phone. He says, Bishop, this is a picture of the live stream that the, the warden let us put in the prison on Sunday morning. And I've watched 28 inmates sit there and have church with us 
while, live, not a video, live. While we're praising, they're praising. While we're here, they're there and they're receiving from God. This is the kingdom. Well, why would you do that? They need to get out and come to church. Some of them are serving life sentences. But if Jesus can save a religious person like me and you, he can save a drug head or a murderer or anybody else. Where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. Shout and say amen. Clap your hands, all ye people. Hallelujah. I better. Generosity. So every Sunday we take an offering and a tithe. Every Sunday. Every single Sunday you'll hear Pastor Richie, me, another pastor, somebody will stand up and receive tithe and offering. And if, if your approach to that is, oh, can we please get the offering out of the way? I'm talking to you right now. We don't get the offering out of the way or the tithe because with it we serve the Lord. With it we bless people's lives. With it, we invest in the community. And we've done it in Chattanooga for 15 years, and we're going to do it in Cleveland. And my prayer is that they will see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. I see one of our trustees who's here tonight, he and his precious wife, Paul and Sandy. How long have we been running together now? A long time. I was 21 maybe when I met you. And I'm 43, so at least 20 years we've been together. And uh, Sandy and Paul have been with us, and they're... Just an instrumental part, and they will. He can tell you. You want to. You want to know. Talk to the trustees. They come here. They see everything that's happened over these twenty years. The miracles God has done. You hear me? I'll tell the story. I don't care. Hair lip the devil. Hallelujah. Everybody always has an opinion about someone else's miracle, and everyone from here to Chattanooga had an opinion about the miracle God gave us ten years ago. When overnight, we received a $4 million miracle. Yeah, some of you are listening. You haven't listened all night. You woke up real quick then. Hallelujah. Whoa, what? $4 million overnight wired to our church. No strings attached. No funny business. God touched the heart of someone who saw what was happening, and they wanted to be a part of being a blessing in our church. And it took our church to another level. The, what very few people know is the night before that happened, our church gave away, and without having a clue what was coming the next morning, gave away the most money we've ever given to inner city ministries in Chattanooga. It was the biggest offering we had ever given, and we gave it to two churches that were in the inner city feeding hungry people and ministering to the youth and those kids that were on the street down there. We weren't even in Chattanooga when we did that, but we gave to them. The next day, God saw fit to bless us, paid off our entire new building in Ultawa, paid off the church planning institute we were building in Uruguay, paid off the renovation of a building we were trying to renovate in downtown Eastlake, right in the middle of the worst red light district in Chattanooga. You tell that story and people still think, yeah, there's something, something about that guy. There is something about me. God's been good. I don't have another explanation for it. And I'm telling you, God honors generous people. When you pour out and you pour out and you sow seed and you sow seed, and sometimes you sow it through tears. Sometimes you give it and you think, man, I could have done something I like for myself with that. And you give it to the kingdom of God. And you pour it out because you love Jesus and you love his people and you love your community. I tell you, God keeps good records. 
Touch your neighbor, tell them, be generous. Come on, tell them, be generous. And if they look at you like the Grinch, I give you permission to gather your belongings and go sit beside somebody who's smiling right now. Hallelujah. Be generous. Don't live your life stingy. Who likes apple pie? Don't lie, you'll go to hell. Come on. Apple pie, peach, cobbler, peach, apple, anything. How many likes any? Okay, how many have ever ate, eaten an apple seed pie? Nobody. Nobody's ever heard of it. Why? You don't eat seed. You sow it. And some of you, I want to encourage you, spend the rest of your life. I was 17 years old when I heard the first sermon I ever heard on giving. I remember telling my mom, I was a 17-year-old preacher. I just started preaching. I remember calling home. I'd go preach for a couple of weeks at a time. And I'd call mom and say, Mom, go write a check to the church for my tithe. She said, Kevin, that's a lot of money. That, my mom was raised in church and never heard of tithing in her life. She said, you can't afford to pay that much to the church. I said, I can't afford not to. God's been good. If you put him first, he'll bless your house. If you'll be generous with your time and talent, your treasure and your testimony, he'll bless your life. Be generous. We are most like God when we are giving. Can I get one amen before I go to the next point? Be generous. Uh, let's see what's next. Oh, this is going to be great. Passion. So I think I should explain a few things for you, okay? Perhaps I should shed some light on a few things that perhaps you are like, what in the world is going on? So the woman that was waving banners tonight, we are passionate. The woman that was painting on Sunday during worship, you're like, I don't know about waving flags and painting during worship. Um, I've never seen that before in church. Do you understand there's a lot of things happening in heaven you've never seen in church before? Now, I'm not telling you painting is happening in heaven, but I know this. Heaven is full of images that God puts in the hearts of people who can paint an image and confirm a word. You have no clue how many people have been standing in Chattanooga worshiping God, needing something from God, and the person painting all of a sudden paints something that confirms something God has been speaking to them. I don't know about flags. You don't have a problem with flags at Neyland Stadium or Cleveland Stadium or Bear Country. Barrettes, whatever y'all are, we are. We are. I'm going to get a bear and a blue and a black and a gold and all that good stuff. I don't know what I'm going to do. I got all this pressure. You people are pressuring me. Are you a, what are the Raiders and the Bears? I don't know which one I am, but I'm with all of y'all. I love you all. Maybe it'll be a tie and we can all be friends. You don't have a, we don't have a problem with passionate people until we get to church. I'm getting ready to walk. I'm going to walk down here. I can't do it on Sunday morning. They rebuke me, so I'm going to walk down here tonight and just holler in a minute. Hallelujah. They don't rebuke me. I'm kidding. Chad sends me a text. If you go on the floor, you'll turn dark. They can't see you. You know what I told Chad? Get another light. Sorry. Okay. That's just a personal thing. Here we go. <laughs> There are <laughs> okay, laugh. Okay, please laugh. In church, we have been programmed to be polished, and we've even used words like excellent, 
to, and I believe in excellence. You have no clue. We strive to be the absolute most excellent place representing our Lord and Savior that you could ever go. Amen? But excellent does not mean that you remove the passion from the place. Excellent doesn't mean it's all predictable and polished and we know what's happening exactly the next thing and we know who's doing Excellent doesn't mean we stand on dots and we fold our arms and just sing. Excellent might look like that, but it might also look like someone who was hooked on drugs, got delivered and saved, and this stage isn't big enough to hold their dance because they're not here for you. They're here for the one that brought them out of darkness into his marvelous light. Come on, church. And I just want to explain this on this first month or whatever we're in. There is going to be passionate praise and worship, tears and fiery worship in this room. And you may have never seen that before, and my encouragement is to you, A, don't judge it. Because you weren't there the night the Lord found us. And you can't possibly relate to why they are spinning in a circle. If you knew how suicidal they were at one time in their life and now they're free, you might get a, you might have a clue. You don't know the stories of these people who wave these flags or these worshipers that stand. Let me say this too. We don't hire worshipers to do your worship and my worship for us. Worshipers lead us, but I think you're the one that God wants to hear sing, not somebody just sing to you. How many know we're singing to him and we're doing it corporately? Come on, somebody. It's passionate. And I listen, you have no clue the wrestling match your pastor has every single Sunday. Back there in that office before I come out here, I look at myself in the mirror and I say, today, you're going to chill out. And today, you're going to talk and be cool and hip and wear cool shoes and you're going to just look nice and you're not going to sweat and holler and do all that. You're not going to do all that. And then I forget. And it doesn't work. I want to tell you this now. This is not a house of a bunch of people who just have always had it together, always had their ducks in a row, and we know how to do this thing. We are, we have been touched with mercy and grace at the deepest part of our being, and we are simply responding in freedom to the God who set us free and broke the chains, and we do not care. I do not care that they dance and clap off beat or sing off tune. I just want them to come through the door and say, this is my church, and I'm going going to enter his gates with thanksgiving and I'm going to come in his courts with when you hit those doors every Sunday you better turn up the zeal and the passion we didn't come to spectate you are not the WBI you are not the worship bureau of investigation we didn't come to check everybody out and make sure everybody's all in line we came to say give him your best release your best praise whatever your best praise is that's the one we're giving to God Passion. Well, we don't, you know, you need more than passion. You need to be deep. The deeper I go, the more passionate I get. I don't act like this because of what I don't know. I'm actually a very educated young man. I don't act like this because of what I don't know. I act like this because of what I do know. I'm going to go sit down. 
I know the tomb is empty. I know the power of the Holy Spirit is real. I know that chains can be broken and drug addicts can be saved. I know that broken people can be made whole again. I know that broken marriages can be made whole again. When you know it and you've seen it, you know it's real. It's passion. The Bible says in the book of Romans, I read to you Romans 12, 1 and 2, but the 11th verse of Romans, it says... Serve the, ready for this one? Serve the Lord with zeal. Zeal. I believe we ought to be fervent. That's a word the old saints used to use. Fervent. They prayed fervently. They worshiped fervently. Now the loudest group in society are not the people who've been redeemed. The loudest group of people in society are crazy people who do not know that there were only two made in God's image, male and female. Now everybody else is getting loud. We, we need people who are just, can we just be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and normal? I'll take it. People are going crazy. Teaching our kids stuff, teaching our teenagers stuff. We need a place where we can come and just let our hair down and worship God and not worry about what people are thinking about us. Don't you just want to thank the one who gave you eternal life sometimes and not worry about what somebody's going to say about you? I just want to come in. I want it to be a place of freedom so that we can be passionate in our pursuit of God. It's not just energy and that's not just emotion. It's a spiritual thing. Zeal is real. Ooh, that's a good quote. Somebody write that one down, Sarah. Zeal is real. No, oh, thank you. I'm going to move on with this. But, you know, hot water can burn your hand, but boiling water can move a train. And, and, and sometimes it's that one degree between being pretty, pretty passionate and boiling, fervent, full of the zeal of the Lord. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. Don't let some dry hide talk you out of passion. Now, listen. Well, what will happen if people start getting in the flesh? I know how to handle that. But I'd much rather have to calm people down than to resurrect the dead every Sunday. Have some passion. Tori's up here spinning and going crazy and Lacey's jumping up and down, and Kevin is sweating. Have you ever seen a man sweat so bad? His, his entire glasses fog up every Sunday. He can't even see you. He sings so hard, so much passion, that his eyeglasses fog up, and he can't see nothing. I told Chris one Sunday, walk up there and wipe his glasses for him. He's about to jump off the stage. Why all of this? Why This past Sunday, it was hysterical to me. Half of you have never seen Tobin Shoemate. Tobin, see, the thing about Tobin is he will make sure every square inch of a stage gets utilized for the glory of God. He, he ran all the way over there, then he ran. Why? You, you have to know Tobin. First of all, he's been with me for 12 years. He didn't just start doing this last week. Tobin didn't just get excited because that's what worship leaders do. In fact, most worship leaders don't get excited anymore. But Tobin didn't come for me and you. Oh, he'll lead and he develops a department. He's amazing. But Tobin came for an audience of one. 
You know why? Because he was bound in religion most all of his life. And when God set him free, he never stopped dancing for the Lord. You, you don't have to dance. I'm not telling you to dance if you don't want to dance. I'm, I'm, but, but move something. Say something. Don't just come in and watch. This is not Pigeon Forge. We didn't sell tickets. This is the house of the living God. Fall in love with him again. I felt that. Fall in love with him again. Fall in love with him again till when you walk through the door. Don't even have to have a song. We're getting all these messages in these last three weeks. It's so beautiful. People are just sending messages and they're tagging the church or they're tagging me or they're not even tagging us, but people are shooting us pictures of what they're talking about. And people say, I just walked in and started crying. Nothing had happened. Nothing was wrong. I just felt God for the first time. I'm telling you right now, don't you ever take his presence for granted. Don't you ever, don't ever take his favor and goodness for granted. Stay passionately in love with Jesus. So it's going to be passionate. I'm just telling you, there's going to be wild things happen sometimes. You say, wild? I don't like wild. You like wild. You just don't think you can like wild in church, and you can. In Chattanooga, there have been some Sundays a person to take off running. Now listen. Yeah, go ahead, sweetheart. That's right. If you take off running in Chattanooga, you better be in shape. It's true. Chattanooga is a track. That thing is wider than a football field. I watched a man. He said, I'm going to run around this building for the glory of God. I said, take off. <laughs> Halfway at the sound booth. <laughs> I went back there and patted him on the shoulder. I said, take a breath and finish your lap. Glory to God. <laughs> Why would he run? He got down in his feet. Got happy in his soul. We're going to heaven. Do you think it's going to be a bunch of pews with a bunch of people staring at one another, checking each other's hairdo out? Oh, no. When we get to heaven, every tongue, tribe, and nation, I feel this thing, every person brought out of darkness into his marvelous light will not have to be asked to praise him. They won't have to be told to praise him. In unison, all at the same time, angels will sit down. The redeemed will rise and enter the choir loft and sing a song that angels have never been able to sing. I'm not waiting on heaven to worship the one who saved my soul. I'm going to do it tonight. I'm going to do it next Sunday. And every day I live, I'll lift my hands in the sanctuary. Lord, I better quit because I feel like somebody give him a praise right now. Can we just praise him? This is not some mechanical thing. This is the God of the universe who lives inside of us, who filled us with his spirit. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hallelujah. Passion. Passion. What do I do when people look at me funny? Give them something to talk about. Well, you know, Pastor Wallace, those churches, if you want to grow in church, you got to, let me tell you something about growing. We grew through COVID. We grew after COVID. We grew when they told us we couldn't grow. You've come too late to tell me that the model is some dead, dry, religious formalism that doesn't have passion and zeal in it. We've seen the power of God move. We've seen broken lives healed, and we will praise him forever. And I just want you to know that when those people get delivered and free, they're going to make a shout and a noise. And we're going to say praise him. So the worshipers, you can think whatever you want. I'm closing here. But I know their stories. I know every one of them. 
I know their lives. They pray. They love God. They seek the Lord. There's a big sign in Chattanooga, and there's probably one somewhere back here I'm not aware of. When you walk on the door to go to the stage, it says it's not about you. It's all about him. Please hear me. What I'm talking about is not carnal spectacleism. I'm talking about a bunch of people who refused to be bound up when Jesus came to set them free. And let me tell you this. I'm going to say this. This is going to probably be the heaviest thing I say tonight. That sons and daughters in this city don't need a place that squelches their passion and puts a lid on their love for Jesus and, you know, calm down a little bit. You need to mature. They'll mature. They'll be just fine. It's not them I'm worried about. It's people who think they've arrived and have lost their passion and their zeal for God. Well, I don't do that. I'm not trying to talk you into doing anything. I'm trying to tell you there's permission in this house for this tribe of worshipers in this room to go before the Lord with all their might and give him all the praise he's worthy of. Okay, one more. Thank you, Lord. You're going to hear people speak in tongues. I'm going to preach on the Holy Ghost this year. I'm going to teach a series on who the Holy Spirit is. You're going to hear people pray in tongues, unknown tongues, speak in tongues. You're even going to hear messages given in tongues and interpretation given in tongues or given, given in the tongue we speak. What does that mean, Pastor? Why do we do that? Let me tell you something. Churches have become so natural that when we get supernatural, people think, what is that? Well, first of all, it's biblical, and if it's not, I don't want anything to do with it. Every leader in this church and pastor on this team and the trustee that's here, they'll all tell you, we're not going to get out of order. Keep things in order. People get out of order. We pat them on the shoulder. Hey, calm down a little bit. It's not time for that yet. We've done that before. We've had to help people to know when. But don't lose your passion. I am telling you, heaven is waiting on Cleveland to release sounds of worship. Angels will come and join us if we'll release the sound. Passion. Go ahead, Seth. I'll land if I hear you play. I remember the Sunday. I was on my face in this is in Chattanooga. And why would I talk so much about Chattanooga? Because I want you to know that we have history. I, 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 we didn't just show up here three weeks ago. We showed up here three weeks ago, but we've been doing this as a church for 20 years. And there are people in this room who've been running with us and their family. And there are other people who've never run with us, but we're already becoming family because God's increasing the family here. That's why I'm teaching this tonight. I'll never forget the Sunday Devin and I were laying on our face in the altar and the power of God was moving so precious and powerful. And I heard people wailing and praying and crying out to God. And the team had quit, quit singing the song and the worshipers were just worshiping and the musicians just kept playing. And I'm on my face. Some of you are going to have such a hard time with this. But I heard angels singing. And it was so real. And it was, someone asked me to describe what it sounded like. I describe it like this. The frequency of their voice was out and beyond anything I'd ever heard from earth before. 
And I thought the Lord's letting me have this encounter. So I'm laying on my belly, face in the carpet, and I hear this angelic. No, you don't think I'm crazy. If you believe the Bible, you don't think I'm crazy because it happened in Luke 1. Angels sang and shepherds heard what they were saying. I lifted my head up off of that carpet, chill bumps down to my toes. And my wife lifted up at the same time. And she looked at me and she said, you hear it, don't you? to weep. I said, I hear it, Devin. I hear angels singing. People were healed that day. Nobody laid hands on them. People just got miraculously touched by God. Well, I've never seen or heard or been anything like that before. Don't you want more of God? Aren't you hungry for more of Him? What if he's getting ready to do something in you and in me and to us and through us that we never experienced him do before? How many have a yes in your spirit to God? Lift your hand if you have a yes to God. I'm not talking about a yes to man. I mean really a yes to God. Whatever you wanted to. The last, uh, the last one is prayer. Prayer is a part of our culture. So right now we pray on Tuesdays. Am I right about that, somebody here? Noon on Tuesdays. We've been having 50, 60 people show up at noon on Tuesday. Isn't that wonderful? Come on, praise God for that. It's, we haven't even really made a big deal out of it yet. And people are coming to pray. Here's what I'm going to say to you. The first Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of every month, we fast and pray. You don't have to fast all meals every day. You can. Some people fast food and drink whatever they want. Some people fast the meals. Some people fast their favorite kind of food. Seems like to me, the church in January, the church in America, we all go on fast and all seek the Lord in January and we get real geared up for a great year and then come March, we sort of start fading. Because prayer and fasting work not just in January. So the beginning of every month, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, first one. We give those three days to God. We fast some item, some meal. We'll open the doors of the church for some prayer times. I want you, I want me, I want my family, I want your family. I want us to get used to talking to God out loud. Now you can come and sit and fold your hands and just close your eyes and think all you want to. There's no problem with that. However you pray, no judgment. Somebody's going to have to cry out in this generation. Just lift your voice. We don't cry out because God is deaf. We cry out because we're desperate. Volume doesn't lead always to victory, but if you're passionate and hungry for God, heaven will hear you. I want to challenge some of you to make prayer part of your life. And stop living off the prayers of everybody else in your life. God wants you to talk to him and he wants to answer your prayers. You have not because you ask not. The effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man still avail much. 
Last thing, last slide. His kingdom is our culture. We don't get to establish our culture here. We're not building an RTTN brand. I want to seek the word and find out what the word says about the kingdom of God, and that's what kind of culture we want to have. Stand with me, please. Take your neighbor by the hand. Just let me pray some prayers. And if you're in agreement with these prayers, I want you to add your agreement to it. And I want you to begin to say it out of your mouth. Lord, we agree this is going to happen. So I'm going to pray and you just get in agreement with it. Father, I just pray for this church tonight. I pray for our campus here in Cleveland. I pray for this city. Lord, I pray you would dismantle and break strongholds, powers, principalities, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places that has kept sons and daughters and mothers and fathers out of the presence of God. This, this religious thing that wants to try to bind the hearts of, of a generation and wants to silence their praise and lock people up and bind people up. We tell that spirit, you will not prevail in this community. You will not prevail in this city. You will not have your way. The kingdom of God is on the move. It's unstoppable. Jesus is unstoppable. And so we come into agreement right now that this house is going to be a house of freedom. This house is going to be a house where the sound of redemption is heard. And we thank you that the silence of defeat, the silence of religion, the silence of bondage is broken. It's broken off this property. It's broken off this house. It's broken off our people. Every family connected to this house is going to know your favor, your freedom, the breakthrough of God. Made the, come on, get in agreement with that right now. We declare the breakthrough of God will be in this house as we let worship and praise rise into the heavenlies. The breakthrough of God is coming on this house. I declare that while people sit under the influence of the Spirit of God that is moving in this house, I declare that years of pain, years of shame, years of bondage will be broken off. That there will be cries and shouts of rejoicing. Breakthrough will come. Praises will be heard. We thank you that hands will be lifted. Come on. If you're with that, go ahead and lift those hands right now. Hands will be lifted without wrath and doubting. We will not fear what man has to say. We will not fear what woman may say. We will not fear Lord that what people may say or even the fear of man. It's broken now. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Yeah, come on. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. Father, I thank you that you're taking us into depths that we've never been before. Into measures of your glory we've never known before. Into moves of God we've never seen before. I pray that you'll rip the scales. Come on, lift your voice a little louder. Lord, rip the scales off our eyes. Let us see the glory. Come on, come on, Father. I pray in the name of Jesus. Yeah, God, do it. Do it, God. Rip the scales of religion off our eyes. Let us see the glory of the Lord. Let people see Jesus in this house. May they know the power of Jesus. May the power of Jesus set the captive free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We declare it. We decree it. Heal broken families. Heal broken marriages. 
Come on, stay in agreement. We got two more minutes. I decree and declare by faith that this will be a house where wayward sons and daughters who have been bitten by the snake of religion, they will come and find healing for their soul. Come on, get in agreement with me right there. They will come and find healing for their soul. They will be restored in the power of God. Their purpose will be restored in their life. Their hopelessness will be replaced with a spirit of refreshing and renewal. We declare that their chains will be broken. We declare that their chains will be broken and the captive will be set free. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. I want you to stay right there one more minute. Father, we pray for this city. This city was shaken in 1906 by a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Even so much so that a Baptist deacon named F.J. Lee was baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's where we get Lee University from. It happened when a man who didn't even know if he believed it come under a tent and was filled with the Holy Spirit and it turned the whole city upside down. My God, I feel this. I want you to take your neighbor's hand and agree with me. It's not 1906, it's 2023. But the God who moved 117 years ago, I believe he's poised and ready to move again in this great city. Somebody get in agreement with me right now. I declare that revival is not just a thing of history. Revival is very much in our future. We declare it's coming in our day. Wake us up, God. Wake us up, Holy Spirit. Shake your church. Awaken your bride. Rise, oh people of God. We pray it in the name of Jesus that a prophetic anointing that draws people to Jesus would again seize the heart of the people of God. In the name of Jesus, revive us. Revive us, Lord. Revive us, God, in the midst of our years that we may praise you. Oh, God, let a spirit of renewal, a spirit of revival. Oh, God, let a spirit of revival. Oh, let it hit this city, Lord. Let it hit our people, God. Let it hit our sons and daughters, Lord. Let the real thing happen, Lord. Let the real thing happen, God. We worship you. We worship you. Come on, let's just spend the last 30 seconds. Don't ask him for anything. Thank him for everything that he's going to do, what he's already done, and what's on the way. Come on, lift your hands and lift your voice with me for just about 30 seconds. To the King of glory, to the God of all gods, to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to the fairest of 10,000. Come on. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We give you the honor. I tell you, the power of God is already moving. The glory of the Lord, the glory of the Lord will fill this temple. And the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, 15 more seconds of praise. 15 more seconds of praising the King. Hallelujah. Go ahead, break your box of worship. Somebody just tear a hole in the heavenlies. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. Hey. Hallelujah. We give you thanks tonight, God. 
You said on this rock you'd build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So build your church. Build it from the ground up. Build it, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for every one of our people tonight that they leave blessed, leave with victory, come back hungry for more of you. Lord, as more and more people come in here, I just pray that the sound of freedom would attract even those who are the most bound. Holy Ghost, don't let us do this in our own strength, how we need you. I need thee. Come on, throw a hand up and say that before we go home. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my how many want him to bless you? Throw your hands up. Let him bless you right now. Oh, I come. Say that one more time. I, I come. Yes, I do. Jesus, I need you. Oh, I praise come on we're going home but somebody give God praise that's a that's a appreciation that's not a praise somebody give him a praise hallelujah seal the word Lord keep us in your presence and peace in Jesus name amen I love you I'll see you Sunday morning in the lobby I'll be there about 8 45 hugging necks and shaking hands 10 9 o'clock sorry 9 o'clock We'll start worship and won't do it without you. Get here, be here. We love you. Go in the peace of the Lord. Shake hands with 18 people. Act like you love them if you don't already. The Lord bless and keep you. We'll see you Sunday in the house of the Lord.